morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. If this is your first time here, so glad you're here. We worship with us. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here, and um, man, what a, a great service of worship so far. So thankful for God's faithfulness. And it, it just goes along with uh, the scripture that we're going to be in. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Mark chapter 8. God is always faithful. He never, ever fails. And that song that we just sang, I mean, so there's, some, there's people here that need to hear that. I mean, all of us need to hear that. But I mean, when you're going through it, when you're going through the stuff of life, I mean, you need to know that he won't fail you, that he is our firm foundation, and he is the rock on which we stand. I mean, we're going to fail. We're going to mess it up. But God never fails. And he's our rock. So, so excited about today's sermon, sharing with you. I hope that it's encouraging and challenging as we look at this um, account in the life of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to see some more of the amazing things we've seen already in Christ's life. Jesus is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. And, and that is the major theme and truth to come out of all the Gospels is that Jesus is God, that God put on flesh, that he left heaven and came to earth to make a way for sinners like you and me to be in right relationship with our Creator. It's the most powerful, life-changing, world-changing truth to ever come to us. It is Jesus, the Messiah, here for you and me. Now, in, as we read through this in chapter 8, you may feel like you're sensing deja vu. Because if you were here, as we went through chapter 6, you're going to see so many similarities. Now, I think there's some reasons for that. The main reason for that is I think that um, the disciples... We're slow learners. <laughs> and like the disciples, you and I can be slow learners. I think the Pharisees were in denial. I think they wanted to hold on to their power and they saw that Jesus had come, the Messiah had come, but they were not willing to relinquish the power they had. But for you and I, let's look at this just a little bit. In chapter 6, Jesus fed the 5,000. And here in chapter 8, we're going to see he feeds the 4,000. He has a confrontation with the Pharisees in 6 and here again in 8. He immediately gets into a boat after feeding everyone in chapter 6. And he does the exact same thing in chapter 8. He works more miracles in 6 and he does more miracles here in 8. One of the differences in chapter 8 is that his audience here is mostly Gentiles. His audience in chapter 6 were the Jews. Now, that's really exciting. I know that sounds really minor, but he's not just the Jewish Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. When Jesus came, he didn't just come as Messiah to the Jews. He came as Savior to the world. That means that not just God's chosen people, the Jewish people, would have this Messiah that would bring them into right relationship with God. That means that you and I, those who are not Jewish, we are Gentiles, could have right relationship with God. Jesus blew open the doors so that anyone who would come to Christ as Savior and look to him could be saved. Can I get an amen on that one? All right, that's you and me. Jesus has made a way for us. Let's pray before we dive into chapter 8 here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is true, that you sent your one and only Son to live the perfect life we could not live, we cannot live, and to die the sinner's death that we deserved, 
So, Father, we look to your son, Jesus. We see him crucified, his blood shed for us, and we say thank you. Thank you for the perfect life, the sinner's death, and the victorious resurrection of Jesus. God, I pray that the truths and the accounts of Christ's life would change us. God, by the power of your spirit, you would bring these things to life in us and that we would walk out of here different than we walked in because we have met with our creator. Come and have your way. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Use me, Father. Give me the words to share for your kingdom, for your glory, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. In those days when, again, a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? There's that slow learner thing, right? He had just fed the 5,000, right? And here's 4,000, and here's the disciples. And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. The Greek word for baskets, this is this Greek word that there were these huge baskets that you could actually fit a guy into or a man into. So this wasn't just a couple little baskets that you would see, you know, for a little picnic you're having with your family. These were huge baskets like barrels that were filled with food. Jesus provides and he provides more than enough. In verse 9, and there were about 4,000 people and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Demanthua. The first thing I want to kind of draw out of this text and the first filling in your notes today is this, that Jesus knows what we need and he will provide. He will provide. And Jesus provides two things here in this passage that I want us to really think about, really powerful things. And the first is he provides spiritual food for these people. Jesus had been teaching for three days. I mean, if we're, I think about this, if we're supposed to, you know, follow Jesus, what would Jesus do? You know, preaching for three days, I'm going to try that, so stick with me here. Is everybody okay if we just go to like Tuesday, Wednesday-ish, somewhere around there? In three days? Well, hold on a second here, what kind of church am I coming to here? No, I'm just kidding. But um, but anyways, no, Jesus is feeding them. He's not just going to feed them physical food he's going to feed them what's most important spiritual food jesus is providing truth he's providing hope he what he's doing is in this teaching he's revealing who he is this teaching he's 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 probably going back through the old testament and and showing these pictures and these ideas of this messiah who is coming and he's he's saying and showing them here i am 
all of the plans and all of the hopes and all of the prophecies and all of the kings and, and all of these things that have happened for thousands of years, all of the law and all of the things that you've done to kind of remember who God is and the promises of God, all of these things that you've practiced in your life and have, have put into your life to, to remind you and keep you in line with, with God's best for your life, all of these things point to me, Jesus, the Messiah, Three days. Could you imagine sitting and listening to teaching like this for three days? Jesus taught them who he was. He showed them who he was. And after three days, they were hungry. Jesus didn't just provide this truth and this spiritual food, this soul food. He provides the physical food that they need. This miracle again, this massive miracle of feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few little fish. One of those powerful miracles we see again right in Jesus' life. It's interesting to note, as we're reading through there, the people that were listening to Jesus teach, they didn't ask for food. They didn't say, they weren't like, hey, we're starving. We've eaten all the food that we had when we're coming here. We've been here for three days. Uh, Is there any way we could get a happy meal? You know, or something, some food, somewhere. No, they didn't ask for anything. Jesus, what does it say? Jesus had compassion. Jesus has compassion. And he, he, he knows what we need before we even ask for it. Now, it's not that we shouldn't ask for it, but here's what we need to know, is that the God that we serve, the God that loves us, has compassion on us. And before you even ask for it, before you even feel that sense of worry, that strain, that anxiety, Jesus sees and he knows and he will provide. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life, as I go through some things and some difficult things, I'm like, I get, the, I get the sense, I'm like, does he see this? I, I mean, I know he sees all things. I, I, I know he's all-powerful, all-knowing. You know, and there's big theological words about that, and there's books written about that. I, I, I kind of know that, but when I'm in that, does he see the, Does he see my suffering? Does he see my worry? I mean, I go to him in prayer, and it seems silent. I, I, I work my way through these things and I, I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can, but does he see the sweat, the blood and the tears? Does he know? And I want you to hear this today. Jesus knows. He sees every difficult thing that you face, every struggle and heartache, every tear that you've cried. Jesus sees and he knows. But not only that, He has compassion on you, and that means he has a plan for you. He fed the 4,000, and he's going to provide what you need, when you need it, when you need it most. That's Jesus. He never leaves us to our own devices. He walks with us through every heartache. I like to say it this way. There's there's no wasted tears in the kingdom of God. God uses every little bit of it. I was watching a uh, documentary on um, a famous musician that had passed away. And 
being a guitarist, playing guitar since I was 10 years old, it was very intriguing to me and just kind of drew me in as I'm watching this. I was just like, wow, this guy's, you know, famous and people are watching this documentary and I'm sure millions of people have watched him in concerts and different things and he's going to be known and for at least a little bit of time as a guy who is a really great guitarist. I, I, I've, I've been thinking about what it means, like what does, what does legacy really mean? What does, you know, scriptures in, in Christ point us to things of eternal value. And I think that's why Jesus gave them soul food before he gave them physical food. Because the soul food that we get from God's word is eternal. The things that he gives us to care for our souls and to grow us in truth, that truth is eternal and everlasting. And as I think about legacy and I think about these things that that every single one of us sitting in this room and everybody watching online, every single one of us will leave a legacy of something. What is that legacy that we want to leave? And I, I just, as I prayed about this, here's what I want to share with you. And here's what I want to be known for after I'm long gone is that I want you to know, Mission View Church, if you're here, if you're watching online, if you're not a part of Mission View Church, I want everyone to know this, that God loves you. Three words. Three simple words in a simple statement that God loves you. The truth behind that, the depth behind that statement goes far beyond just three simple words. God loves you means this, that he sent his only son to die for your sins. While you were his enemy and all of us were his enemy, shaking our fists at the skies, living our own lives, playing God, little G, Jesus came and died for us. It means that that not only did Jesus come and pay the price for our sin and then rise from the dead, defeating death and sin, it means that we have an eternity with our creator. God loves you means you have an eternity with him. Not only that, but it's in the revelation of God's amazing love that we find the power and the motivation to actually live out righteousness for God. God's love isn't just a revelation to salvation, but God's love is the revelation to sanctification. That means that when God reveals his love to us through Jesus Christ, it empowers us and it motivates us to walk in righteousness and to turn from sin and to crucify the flesh and to share the good news with others. You see, the idea that God loves you goes far beyond anything that we can ever imagine. It's something that we are dependent on God to reveal to us over and over and over over again and draw us deeper and deeper into that love because it takes God to know God's love. Three simple words that go so much deeper, so much further in our walk, in our lives, in this journey that we call Christianity. So remember, God loves you. He really, really loves you. Let's move on to verse 11. The Pharisees here, 
Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him, as if they hadn't seen enough signs already. Uh, right? I mean, look at, we've seen him we've heal the sick and cast out demons and blind people see and feeding the 5,000. Feed, he just fed the 4,000. I mean, he's, he's done everything. You think about miracles, what more do you need? Have you ever talked to anybody like that? They're like, man, if I, if I, see, if I see this, then I'll believe, right? It's just like, how much more do you need to see? How much more do they need to see? And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. He's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these spiritual leaders who were denying who he was. And he left them, got into the boat and again and went to the other side. Now he uses this, this interaction with the Pharisees and this denying of who Christ was, he uses this as kind of a, an example to his disciples here. And he says in verse 14, now they had gotten, they had forgotten to bring bread and they, they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, get this, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Leaven, we know what leaven is, right? You put it in bre- bread and all that other stuff. Well, Leaven was used a lot of times in scripture for things that, bad things that could permeate, you know, good things. You know, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. He's talking about this doubt and this seeking of a sign and this denying of who Jesus is. Watch out for this. Don't let it seep in. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Okay, underline that, circle that, highlight that. We're going to come back to that. That's really important. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And, he, and they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? This is comical, isn't it? You read this and it's just comical. And the second feeling is this, the Pharisees see but don't believe. The disciples believe, but they just don't understand. They just don't get it yet. The Pharisees are like, give me a sign. Jesus had done all the signs. He's done all these miracles. They wanted a sign. They had everything they needed as far as signs. They just didn't want to believe what they were seeing or hearing. The law that they worshipped was about to be fulfilled, and a new covenant, a new promise from God was going to be different, would be better, and based on grace. But they loved the law. The Pharisees didn't want it. They wanted their self-sufficiency and works that were not meant to build their pride, but actually reveal their need to, for Jesus. Did you hear that? They were worshiping a law that was not meant to, to build their pride up and, and make them feel great about themselves. The law was given to reveal their desperate need for a savior. But they're taking this law, you know, this 313 laws or whatever it was, trying to follow all these things and then patting themselves on the back because they got 120 of them down, right? No. Jesus had come, the Messiah had come, 
They didn't get it. They didn't want to get it. Disciples believed, but they were slow learners. Look in verse 14. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. He cautioned them, saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of Herod. What is the leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of Herod? It is the denial that Jesus is who he says he is. It is the denial of the Son of God. It is the denial of the Messiah that the Creator actually put on flesh and showed up. Beware. He's, I mean, he's, he is really, really giving his disciples this strong, heavy, deep truth. Beware of this, this doubting of who I am. Beware of this leaven. And they hear the word leaven and they say, oh man, we got one loaf of bread. What are we going to do to eat? What are we going to do? We're going to starve out here in this boat. Have you ever, have you ever been do, doing that? You're, you're reading through scriptures or you're, you're hearing preaching or you're watching this great video and, and you're, as you're listening to whatever it is, you're just like, what do I need to get from the grocery? I got I to gotta head out to the, or maybe you're thinking, what are, I got a list of things to do today. I got to mow my grass. I got to, your mind just goes off like that. Have you ever been there, done that? It's like squirrel. It's like, it's like my, I, my dog, I have a Rottweiler and it, you, she's fine. She's really relaxed, great with people. She's great to be around until you say the word squirrel. And then it's as, as if she becomes possessed and she starts tearing through the house and running at glass doors and trying to get out to the backyard. Right? This is a side, complete sidetrack, right? We can't, we can't take our eyes off Jesus. We can't forget who he is, what he's done. Because you know what happens when we do that? We think about bread. Bread. Man, God is so good. He's so powerful. He's blessed us so much. Oh, but I got a mortgage to pay. How am I going to pay that mortgage? Man, God is so good. He's so powerful. He's done all these things. Look at, I mean, we've got the entire scriptures that show us his faithfulness, his goodness. Oh, but I, I got to worry about my retirement. What am I going to do about my retirement? You see, when we believe that God loves us, we're believing that the creator, the creator of the universe knows your name. That before time began, he had good things set aside for you to do. That he thinks of you. That he cares about you. We, we get sidetracked though with whatever it may be. Oh man, oh man, the finances are going down. America's going down. What are we going to do? I can guarantee you God's not there going, oh, what am I going to do? You see, there's this idea in us that we want to believe that God is sovereign and powerful and all-knowing and he's everything that his, his word tells us he is. But I tell you what, we can get sidetracked. We can get sidetracked with 11 of the Pharisees and think that, oh, no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? This, trust in a God that loves you. Trust in a God who has always and will always provide for you. Trust in a God who is there with you in your suffering. He's there with you in the difficulties. He's there with you in the victories. 
and he loves you. Don't get sidetracked. Don't be like the disciples. Verse 22, Jesus does another amazing miracle. You know, here we go with signs and wonders again. And it says, and they came to Bethsaida and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So you remember, Jesus is telling, he's doing all these miracles, and he's saying, hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. My time has, really what he's saying is, my time hasn't come yet. I'm the Messiah, but I mean, it's not time for me to be revealed yet because, you know, the Pharisees and the religious leaders aren't going to like that I'm here and I have something to do. There's a bigger plan here than me just feeding 4,000 and healing the blind and raising the lame and doing all these miracles. There's something else. There's a bigger picture here. I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life for all who have sinned and and would turn to, to me and trust in me for salvation. He's like, don't go back into the village, whatever you do, right? But we we see it almost every week. What do they do? They go tell everybody. Jesus is like, don't say anything. They say everything, right? I love what what Andrew said last week, right? He said, don't tell them anything. And they went and said everything, right? He tells us, go tell everybody. And we don't tell anybody. (laughs) Did you hear that last week? Andrew said that. Go back and watch the sermon. If you didn't see Andrew's sermon last week, it was awesome. Third point. Jesus is all, capital A, capital L, capital L, all we need. We worry, we work, we work, and then we work some more. We even sacrifice family time for temporary rewards while we ignore the things of eternal value. We worry about our stomachs growling while our souls starve to death. Jesus performed miracles to show us that he cares about our station in life, the struggles that we deal with. He cares about every struggle and every pain. He has compassion, like it says, and meets us in the mess. But also he performed these miracles to show us that he is God. This is really good news because it's not only that he has compassion on us, that he, he walks alongside us, he sees the struggles and he sees the, the weakness and he sees all of these things, but he has the power to do something about it. That's who Jesus is. He's not just someone who has compassion. It's like, oh, that's just too bad. That's all, you know. No, he steps into the problems. He steps into the brokenness and he's the only one that can do anything about it. That's, that's the amazing thing about Jesus. And he is all that we need. Everything that we need. That's where we miss it. Because we say, Jesus is all that we need. But then we just add little things here and there, right? Jesus is all I need. And to be healthy. Jesus is everything that I need. And a five-bedroom house. Jesus is everything that I need. Plus that sports car. Jesus is everything. And we just start adding these different things onto it. We, We love to say that Jesus is all that we need. But when it really comes down to it, are we living out Jesus is all that I need? Because I'll tell you, a life lived out of that truth and that reality looks a lot different than most American lives. Right? 
I mean, if, if I really believe that, you're going you're gonna to see it in my calendar. Like you would open up my calendar, you'd be like, oh, man, this dude is all about Jesus. He's meeting with so-and-so talking about the Bible. He's going to this class, thing in the Bible. He's at his church all the time. He's, man, this guy, he's crazy. He must be one of those Jesus freaks. Right? You'd see it in my finances. You'd probably open my, my bank account. You'd be like, man, what's, what's this? What's this? What's this group here? What's he giving this money? What's this for? Why, what in the world? Going on missions trips? This guy must be one of those Jesus freaks. Living, living that out looks different than anything we see most of the time. Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. What he's saying is where we, where we put our money is where our heart goes. And we see it. I mean, we can see it every day, right? And I've used this analogy before, but like if you were, if you made, you took all of your savings, you took all of your investments and you put them into Apple, you would be going around to everybody you know being like, man, have you checked out the new iPhone? It is ridiculous. It does everything. It's amazing. It's the best phone ever made. In fact, have you tried an Apple laptop? I mean, the new MacBook Pro, it has more power than most PC desktops around. It is the most amazing laptop you will ever use. It will run your life for you. It will do everything you need. It is the best thing ever. Right? I mean, you should invest in it. You should, you should jump on board and invest in it, right? Because it's valuable. It's where our heart follows to. See, living this truth that Jesus is all I need looks totally different than anything we have ever seen. And it's something we need to be challenged with. When we recognize Jesus as creator, Jesus as savior, here's what happens. We worship, we pray, we obey his word, we encourage one another, we go to church, we trust him, we talk to him, and we set our priorities right. We live out a life of worship when we are captivated and are in constant communion with God. We pray without ceasing and our entire lives become this sacrificial worship to God. And it's in Romans 12, 1 that says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's what we're supposed to be. When Jesus comes into our lives, reveals who he is, we are supposed to be living sacrifices. That, that word sacrifice, I don't know if you know this or not, but that word actually has connotations of pain. Who likes sacrificing? Right? I'm not, I'm, here's something I did. I was not eating ice cream for a month. That's, I was a sacrifice I was making. If you know me, you know that's a sacrifice. Because I like some ice cream, all of it. Almost heaven, amazing. Pavs, great. Brewsters or that new place, awesome. I make it at home, great ice cream. I just love ice cream. I, you think that's some big sacrifice, right? No, we're talking real sacrifice, but it's talking about pain. It's about giving something up, living sacrifices. We're living sacrifices because we know who Jesus is and what he's done and what that means for me what it means for the people that I talk to, and we're inviting people into that joyful union with our creator, God. We are created to be captivated by our creator. We were created to worship God. Man, I wanted to um, take a few minutes 
here at the end of the sermon introduce you to two people that you know you've ever talked to someone where they they go through something really hard you guys come on up they go through really hard hard things and you're just like man that's so bad i'm gonna be praying for you and then they come back like two months later and they're going through something 10 times worse you're like oh my gosh that's terrible i'm really gonna be praying for you and then like two months later something else horrifically tragic happens and you're like are you okay like are you gonna survive this what how can we help you um that's kind of been a Chad and Amber Bowling story over the last couple of years. And as we've been going through this, who Jesus is and him being all that we need, I just thought it would be really encouraging for them to share their story with you. So I invited them up to share with us just a little bit. Thank you. Let's give them a warm mission view. Welcome. Look at us sitting at this table. I love these guys. They're awesome. They lead um, our Reflect Ministry, which is an outreach ministry of Mission View Church. If you didn't know, we go out once a month, show God's love in practical and tangible ways, share the gospel and pray for people and do just crazy things to show God's love. But they lead that ministry. But um, yeah, why don't you um, share just a little bit about your last two years, guys? What's been going on? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, thanks for the opportunity to be able to come up here. We have had some uh, extreme significant trials over the last couple of years. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about those trials, um, how you, the body of Christ, served us through those trials and um, God's provision through those trials as well. So for those of you that know our story, don't get up and go cancel your lunch reservations because you're probably like, we don't have enough time to hear your story tonight or today. But um, don't worry, we're going to try to to summarize it quickly. She's got got a sermon, it looks like, right here. Um, So basically, um, you know, uh, we'll leave out a lot of details to get through this. But um, in uh, November 2020, um, our family was hit extremely hard with COVID. Um, so, uh, my, to kind of just give you a feel of, of how bad, um, my mom was on a ventilator, um, and, um, a couple days, uh, after that, then, uh, we were calling 911 for myself and my dad. Um, so it was, um, definitely, um, a challenge and, um, just a very long process. Um, I still have long COVID effects um, today, uh, neurological damage and some breathing issues still. And so, um, you know, not only was it a trial then, but it's been an ongoing trial. Um, So at, you know, the point where we're like, okay, like I'm not better, but you know, I'm alive and things are progressing and we were starting to figure out a new normal. Um, January of uh, this year hits, and um, now we we believe that it, it probably is connected with the long COVID, but I rolled my ankle on the second to last step, missed one stair, just one. There was only five to begin with. <laughs> um, and uh, before my body even hit the ground, I knew it was bad between the sound and the pain. Um, so shattered my tibia and my fibula in my leg, um, compound fracture. And um, most excruciating pain of my life. I mean, I have kidney stones. I've given birth. Everybody says those are horrible. They're wrong. This <laughs> was by far the worst pain. And all of my neighbors knew because they heard me screaming. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that happens. And um, can I stop you there? Sure. Chad, 
So I remember COVID hits. Yeah. We almost lost Amber. Mm-hmm. Like you coming to church Sunday morning, meeting you in the lobby. Of course, if you didn't know this, Amber uh, ran um, Kindercare yeah. in North North Ken. Just a very high level leadership. Amazing. My wife was able to work with her there. But just an amazing, you know, doing all these different things. You were doing a ton of stuff. Then nothing. Chad comes into church. All these things start hitting up. I do remember actually saying what I said earlier. It's like, are you okay? That's all I could ask. What were what yeah. you going through your mind? Like Amber's lost her job. I mean, COVID, long-term effects. And then breaking where, you know, what was, what was going on? Yeah. It, it, for me, it was, I, I felt numb for a little while. And then it, 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 it really comes down to a, after you go through that process and back and forth, you come to a position of surrender, that you realize that you're not in control. And um, you, she had a schedule, and you're going, you Sorry, went out of the schedule. We were going to get back to this, but he's past her. He messed it up. So it came to that point of surrender, and I, I felt like I was okay I was not okay, but I felt like I would be okay to go to church. And while I wasn't able to see Amber during COVID, uh, I was still coming to church. And I was do fine until I would round the corner and, and I'd see your face. Because I felt like I, was, I had it all together. And I'm like, I could do this. I could go to church. And then I saw Matt and I'm like, <laughs> it was terrible after that. So um, it, I had to just surrender because I, I, I couldn't even stand um, without God's help. And I, I felt like he really literally carried me through. And I, I don't really remember feeling those moments of, of highs, but I just remember just being carried. And I don't, I don't know how I made it through. Awesome. A peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Amber. I didn't mean to mess up. We're going to talk later. Outline, so. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get back to that surrender part. There's more. Okay, um, so, um, so anyways, so yes. So after the break um, occurred, it was only like a week that I had been home after the surgery, and um, I had horrible calf pain. Um, of course, right away you're like, oh, blood clot, and um, so we got it checked out, and they reassured me that you know everything was fine. Um, but I just knew, like, I mean, there was a lot of impact to my legs, so I, you know, thought, okay, it's just, you know, more of that injury, and, but um, after a month um, of the excruciating pain, um, we found out um, that I was covered in blood clots um, because that month had gone by, so um, luckily, um, God worked through my stupidity, and um, I spent a whole evening of having chest pain and not being able to breathe and being dizzy and almost passing out. And I, you know, the chest pain, I'm sure it's indigestion. <laughs> I'm sure that's all it is. And I took a gas pill. And um, so, you know, but God um, blessed my stupidity and made me alive through the night. Um, and when we got to the hospital, that is when we found out that um, not only the blood clots were in my legs, but they had traveled to both sides of my lungs and were creating a massive amount of stress on my heart. Um, and as I laid there in the hospital um, and I'm in ICU and they're like, you know, we need to do surgery immediately. Um, but they couldn't do it for six hours and basically was like any little movement of anything that's in your chest, it, that's it. Like it's over. And, you know, that was now the second time that 
like Chad said, that surrender. Um, you know, during COVID was that first initial, you know, I laid there in the hospital and, you know, control has always been something that, you know, I've struggled with, like most people do. And, um, but he stripped me of any control that I thought I had. And, um, you know, in both of those situations, and, and like Chad said, just that uh, peace, you yeah. know, with it, where I remember both times laying in the hospital just thinking, like, I don't even want control. I'm not even finding myself trying like I typically did. And, um, you know, he just completely broke me down sure. to a place where I couldn't fight anymore. I had, first of all, I didn't have any strength to, but, <laughs> you know, um, just to truly show me and remind me that he is truly in control. And I think once you go through that, yeah. you, you clearly see and realize, you know, that no matter how hard you try or what you think you have in your power, you, you don't. And um, that was definitely a huge, you know, learning lesson um, for me. And like I said, just that first time in my life that I've truly, truly felt God leading and God talking to me through that mm -hmm. of, you know, it's going to be okay. And so, yeah. Awesome. So what were, what did, what was God doing underneath and around all of that chaos and yeah. suffering? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, I think that first lesson for both of us in our individual stories within our story, um, you know, was that surrender, you know, yeah. complete surrender to God. But through that also, um, God's provision yeah. really came through. Um, and I just remember um, during that time of COVID, um, within hours, we had probably eight or nine churches that were praying. And, and that was just from when my mom was on the ventilator. And I remember getting admitted and, you know, due to the sickness and fear and everything, I, I had no words. I, I couldn't pray. Like I laid there going, I want to pray, but I can't, like, I don't know how. <laughs> and I just kept saying over and over those breath prayers of Jesus, please listen to everyone's prayers because I knew so many other people were praying that I didn't need to pray. I just said over and over, listen to their prayers and I just looked at my mom and dad. That was so stupid. I was just <laughs> so we had we, we had a, a month during that COVID time that Amber, when 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 she came home from the hospital, she was this was beginning of COVID. So we didn't we didn't know. Um, doctors didn't know everything. And they recommended that she stay away from our family um, for a month. So she had been on vacation before that, that she went with her mom and. That was a week. And then four weeks after that, so we were separated for five weeks. And for God's provision, our church provided meals. I didn't, we didn't have to cook for a month. Now, that's not just our family. Um, Ashley was eight months pregnant at that time. And My sister. They, sorry, they <laughs> provided meal. Our church, you, provided meals for our family, their family, and Amber's mom and dad and Amber because they were quarantined at, at their parents' house. Um, we're blessed to have them live on the same street as us. So it was nice and easy. Um, they're good people. You want to be on their street with them. So, but um, God's provision through that time, through, through you, through our church was amazing. And the, so many of those things. And, and that's what I think that it's a, it should be a reminder to everybody of something very simple that you think you're doing is, is we didn't necessarily, it, it wasn't about your love to us. No offense. But it was about God's love. Like, yeah. that's what yeah. got us yeah. through. 
those simple Amen. acts that everybody did, um, you know, down to, um, you know, random people that we barely knew coming to our yeah. house and just calling out to God and praying, um, you know, with our children, with us. Um, it was, you know, those gift baskets yeah. that got delivered to the hospital and the nurse bringing it in and says, I have no clue how this got onto the COVID floor because nothing comes in and out of the COVID floor. And yeah. I'm like, I know God made sure that I got that yeah. gift bag because it had lotion and my feet were extremely dry. So <laughs> I knew that was God. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and it's those things yep. where it's so easy to miss those small things because we're so focused on the big trial yeah. that like you have no idea how much that lotion meant. <laughs> so, but that was that no, it wasn't necessarily Whitney. That was God. Like, and I felt God's love at that time. And, you know, so I think it's just important for us to remember that those small things that we go out of our way to do can mean so much to people because God is using that. It's not you and your actions. It's God working through you. So, so you know, God's provision through that and, and just how he used the church body in so many different ways, just staff that go to Mission View that were at the hospital at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, during the blood clots, making sure that Matt just came in and I was just getting moved to a new room and her making sure that she told that charge nurse, you give them the time they need to pray. So, you know, those things that were just so powerful to watch God work through it, where we can so easily miss those things Mm -hmm. a lot of times because the trial just overwhelms us. Um, So, you know, I think like I said, God used his people to, to show us that love, but I think it's also just been a life lesson for us yeah. to make sure that we are keeping our eyes open for those things that God does. Yeah. So what are you doing now? Like with my life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, that... Let me, let me be more clear. So Amber goes through all this stuff, yeah. and she shows up at the church offices with all these plans. And ideas. Yeah. And so. I'm like, are you okay? As, you know, Chad, as he's, you know, going through this, but just on fire. Like, yeah. she yeah. shows up the offices on fire for the Lord, and I'm like, okay. So, I'll jump in real yeah, quick yeah. on that. Um, God's purpose through this, God has a purpose for everything, even the trials and the tough Amen. things that you go through. And God's purpose in this, I, I get home from work, and I, I, I go in the house, and Amber's like, hey, we need we need to talk. And I'm like, oh, man, what did I do now? So <laughs> I get, we go in the house, and we sit down, and she says, hey, I, I want to start an outreach ministry. And I'm like, you don't like outreach. <laughs> <laughs> now, she's shy, more behind the scenes, and I'm like, woo, you know, let's go talk to people. And uh, so, but for God to, um, it was amazing to watch God change her purpose from, she realized physically and mentally, emotionally, cannot do her successful job anymore to give her a new purpose was amazing and to watch that happen strengthened my faith mm. um and yeah and that, that was definitely another you know god moment in all of this is you know i i loved my career um that was my purpose for at that time 15 mm-hmm. years and i you know felt like i was doing good in my career. I was able to be a good wife and a good mother. And I thought I had this great balance and, um, you know, I, I would try to do a check and balance and, you know, well, no, I think I'm doing good. Yeah. So, um, you know, there had been times over the years that we had thought of, you know, Oh, should, should I be a stay at home mom? And, you know, those type of things. And, 
And although I had that desire, it still, I was like, no, I don't want to. Like, I, I'm good. I can do both. Yeah. And, you know, then after the the COVID and I, we were talking through of, okay, like I've been now off work for a couple of months and I, I don't know how I'm going to go back with, with some of uh, the symptoms that I'm still dealing with. And I was okay with it. And that's when I knew that, you know, God used this to just knock me down and really show me what I needed to do. And I would never have, have gotten to this point or done it on my own. It it really, you know, had, God had no other choice. I mean, he had to get through to me somehow. So he did. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like I said, that just feeling that, um, that peace and that, you know, I was okay with not being able to return to what I, what all I had known and done. And so through that process and at the same time, you know, God was also, you know, you, you have that moment of life is short. And although I'm not comfortable with outreach, um, I did have that sense of urgency of life is short. The people in my life need to know that don't know. And, you know, Matt's constant message of, you know, reaching the 200,000 just was laid on my heart. Like, so, and, and that's where, once again, I knew it was God because it was just like instantly, like I had a whole year's plan of what Reflect Ministry was going to do within a couple of days and have the PowerPoint ready to go. Like yeah. Full on PowerPoint, so. no joke. I think it was like 36 slides. It was amazing. So, um, you know, once again, just a, a God moment where it was just like, here you go. This is what I want you to do. And, um, you know, so definitely that purpose, um, you know, and once again, just something that can be very easily missed when you're going through those trials it it was very easy for me just to push that aside and and not to listen to that um because it was so much work and I still wasn't feeling good and I did have a lot of people telling me like you're pushing it you're doing too much like you know but but I knew and I felt that calling and I needed to act on it um so in that same time too um I don't know if you want to talk about your side of um, I think for the Dumb sake of time, okay. We're, okay. <laughs> we're a little right. over. <laughs> no, it's good. It's really, really good. One last, like, one last thing. You go through these things, obviously you lost a job. And, you know, income and that stress right. Right. and those different things. Um, God provided meals. He provided mm-hmm. people to come alongside you from the church and mm-hmm. love on you guys, mm-hmm. pray with you and amazing things. But mm-hmm. what, what about the, the bread? You know, not like they're talking about. You know, he does want you to talk well, about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the time of um, when when Amber got COVID, I, I that year I had that was 2020. I had started a job at an amazing company, um, just a great culture. Had was was progressing through that company. And it, was, it, it, it was awesome, um, but also during that time when we had this conversation of. It was a huge loss of income. Amber uh, had made more money than me at that time, and we, we didn't know what we were going to do. Um, so, so we continued to pray through that and, and, and pray what we were, that God would provide through that time as well. And um, one of my old bosses from a previous company that I worked at uh, reached out to me for a position, and um, I accepted that position. But it was stepping out of... I felt like I worked for an amazing Christian-owned company. Stepping out of God's provision for that company, we felt like, are we stepping out of God's will? Because this company is an amazing company to work for. But um, we knew that 
God was in control and we had to trust him and I mm -hmm. felt peace about it. Mm -hmm. So I stepped away from this amazing company back to, from a family owned business back to more corporate America, you know, big run company. And um, God has provided through that um, company. And this, I started in June of last year and then in June of this year received the promotion and we are now back to where we financially were before she got sick wow. um, from a salary perspective. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Awesome. God is so yeah. faithful, right? Amen. In the, the hard things. I just wanted them to share their story with you. As we go through Mark and we see these miracles that God does in Mark, we need to be aware that God is still doing miracles today. Amen. You may be here today. Maybe you're going through something really difficult. Maybe, maybe you don't know how you're, you're going to pay your mortgage. Maybe there's been a loss of job. Maybe it's been an illness or something else. We want you to know that God loves you. He sees where you're at, and he's going to meet you where you're at. And uh, we want to be there with you through that, too. So if you would like prayer or anything, please uh, call the office. Come forward. Talk to me afterwards. We want to walk with you through the difficulties of life, too. But let's pray together, and then we're going to dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your miracles in our lives. God, we don't want to overlook it. We don't want to minimize it. We want to worship you for who you are, creator of the universe, the miracles that you do in our lives, God. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that he's made a way for us. We thank you for um, what you've done in Amber and Chad's lives. We thank you for all the things that you've done and, and the Reflect ministry that's been a part of that and all the other things, Father. We just thank you for that work. And for those who are here, even right now, that are going through something difficult, I pray for faith to be just burst in their hearts, God, by your hand, by your power. We just say, come and have your way, Father. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only one worthy of our worship, and we look to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for coming to Mission View Church this weekend. If you'd like to receive prayer, please come forward. We have some prayer people that will pray with you. Go and have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.